ChicagoRadio.com presents stories of mystery and intrigue, espionage and suspense. Hear tales of ticking time bombs, mysterious crime scenes, and cloak and dagger action. This is Relic Radio Thrillers. In the Diary of Fate. Yes, here it is. The name, Marvin Thomas. Occupation, secretary. Yes, Marvin. As a male secretary, you have been successful. Your pay is more than twice what other men in similar positions receive. But you have earned it, haven't you, Marvin? And what you have gained in money, you have lost in self-respect. For although you and your employer are of equal age and intelligence, his endless humiliating domination has made you so intimidated and obsequious that he ruled you completely. And now, I, fate, intervene. And because of a little thing... You will be forced to a decision. A decision for evil. As this man moves through life, you who listen may think me unfair. But fate is not cruel, not unmindful of mortal rights. In a moment, it will be time for another entry under the name Marvin Thomas. When I have written, I will read from his record in The Diary of Fate. I hope you'll understand. Thomas, are you drunk? What? what? What are you doing? Put that iron bar down. Thomas, you're out of your mind. Don't. I'm not out of my mind, Mr. Fielding. I'm going to be rid of you. Thomas, don't. Oh, good. Don't. Don't. Thomas! No mortal has the ability to say what even the next hour will bring. For the consequences of little things are beyond reckoning. Yes, the countless trifling incidents of everyday life are the tools with which I, fate, mold the shape of destiny. I have no choice. But you, Marvin, were not aware of this 
as you sat in the lavish house overlooking Honolulu and nervously sipped a drink. Your employer, the very wealthy recluse, Mr. Gregory Fielding, plagued by arthritis and addicted to cynicism, was talking about you in the presence of a beautiful woman, Nina Carroll. And what's more, Thomas, it's all your fault. I'm sorry, Mr. Fielding, yeah, but I... You're really not stupid, Thomas. You're merely spineless. I told you to put a sting in that letter to Barnes. If you'd done that properly, he wouldn't have dared delay the shipment. Now it'll be at least two weeks late. Well, what does it matter? After all, the copra can spoil, can it? No, Nina, but the market can. And that lily-livered, namby-pamby attitude Thomas has will cost me several thousand dollars. Right, Thomas? Yes, sir, I... I'm afraid that's right. You're so timid, a pat on the wrist is your idea of severity. Now, listen to me, Thomas. I told you to be tough in that letter to Barnes, and I meant put the fear of the devil in him. Do you hear me? Gregory, you're drunk. Oh, blasted. Uh, here's my napkin, sir. Sticky stuff. I've got it all over my hand. Now out of the way, Thomas. I'll have to go wash it off. Excuse me, Nina. Well, what are you staring at, Thomas? Oh, I... Sorry, Miss Carroll, I... Well, thanks for taking my side. <laughs> taking your side? Don't be ridiculous. What's the matter? Is my lipstick on upside down? You're still staring. Sorry, I... I didn't mean... That is... Oh, good heavens, don't be ashamed. A woman thrives on being stared at. Miss Carroll. Nina, you're so beautiful. Careful, Thomas. You'll burn your fingers. Nina. Yes, Gregory. Run along now, will you? Oh, but I thought we'd have the evening together. I'm sorry, but Thomas has made such a mess of things, I'll have to get to work. And tell Clint to bring the car around, Thomas. He's to drive Miss Carroll home. It's Clint's night off. He's gone, Mr. Fielding. Shall I call Cam? Oh, no. You may as well drive yourself. You'll be no help to me here. Very well, sir. I'll get a car. Yes, Thomas. A little thing. Still drink. And now you were driving Nina home. And although she rode in the back seat, the nearness of her, combined with the hatred you held for Mr. Fielding, made you bold and reckless. Nina. Nina. You yourself told me not to be ashamed. And I'm not. You look beautiful. I'm in love with you. Why, Tommy? Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. We're away from the house now. Won't you call me Marvin? What would Gregory say about this? I don't care. I despise him. He's a mean, sickly beast. How can you possibly be in love with him? What makes you think I am? Why are we stopping? You're not in love with Mr. Fielding. I thought maybe you'd like to ride up here in the front seat. With me. Oh, so you're a man and not a mouse after all. No, Thomas, I think not. I'll ride back here. You're just doing this to get even with Gregory. That's not true. Nina, I love you. This has gone far enough. The ghost sign in my life is the dollar sign. You haven't got it, and I don't think you have the nerve to ever get it. So start driving, Thomas. All right. But you'll see, I'm going to change things. Do you hear? I've put up with his insults and his high-handed ways long enough. For 12 years, I've been humiliated. Well, now I'm going to do something about it. You just wait. 
An idea once planted and nourished with sufficient incentive often takes root and grows. That is why the next morning, as you worked with your employer, the things he said formed a strange pattern in your mind. Thomas, I've decided to go to Australia myself. Australia? On the Colpac deal? But may I ask, why, sir? I need a vacation. Besides, I want to see the Colpac brothers squirm. I've arranged to have them pay the entire amount in cash. $100,000. <laughs> it's liable to break them. I see, sir. It should be interesting to watch them pay a fortune to a man they've never seen, whom they know only as a letterhead powerful enough to crush him. <laughs> uh, besides, I've never been to Australia. Uh, are you flying, sir? No, I want to sail. You're coming with me, so make all the necessary arrangements for next Wednesday. Yes, sir. And, uh, oh, by the way, call Dr. Komodo. Uh, tell him my arthritis is bad again. I want a treatment this afternoon at three. And uh, while he's here, you may as well have him arrange for a doctor in Sydney to continue the treatment. Oh, and, and Thomas. Uh, yes, sir. Please, don't bungle that point. Stress the fact that I must have them on time once a week. Understand? Uh, yes, Mr. Fielding. Your idle threat to change things was no longer idle, Marvin Thomas. Now it had begun to grow. An idea was taking form. And as you went about the petty routine of the day, the words of your employer echoed in your mind. They will pay the entire amount in cash. $100,000. Pay a fortune to a man they've never seen. They know him only as a letterhead. Never been to Australia. One hundred thousand dollars. Cash. Oh, hello, Dr. Komodo. Come in. Oh, thank you, Mr. Thomas. Uh, Mr. Fielding is going to make a trip to Sydney. Oh? He'd like you to arrange with the doctor there to continue the treatment for his arthritis. Can you do it? Oh, yes, yes, sir. I can do it. And stress the importance that the treatment be on time. Oh. Mr. Fielding made a particular point of that. You're smiling. Is something wrong? No, oh, oh no, I will take care of it. It isn't really important, is it? <laughs> That's why you're amused. Well, it is not for me to say. Modern medicine is a peculiar combination of drugs and psychology. I thought so. <laughs> You're pretty sly, Doctor, getting a fat fee each week for 12 years for your psychology. Oh, do not misunderstand me, Mr. Thomas. The uh, psychology is important, but the drug, the injection, and the tablets, they serve a most definite purpose. Yes, Marvin, another item on your list was checked off. Another step taken down a path new and strange to you. A desperate, evil path. On the ruse of delivering a package, you went to Nina Carroll's cottage. Thomas, what are you doing here? I must talk to you, Nina. It's tremendously important to me. It's about the other night, when I drove you home. I told you that had gone far enough. But I'm in love with you. I, I must know how you feel about me. Now, see here, Martin. 
Well, I told you already. As a person, I like you very much. But there are other things in the world I like more. Things that money can buy. And under the circumstances, I can't afford... Wait. If I had money, lots of money, things would be different, wouldn't they? Decidedly different, Marvin. That's what I wanted to hear you say. Line? Yes. Uh, I'd like to know what time the Benjamin B. sails for Sydney. At 9.30 p.m. from Pier 13. I see. I want to make a reservation. I want to reserve a cabin on Wednesday, first class. Mr. Gregory Fielding. No, no one else. Mr. Fielding is traveling alone. <laughs> the steamship company would know, Mr. Fielding was traveling alone. But that was not the truth. For you had every intention of being aboard the Benjamin B. too when she sailed. Only you and I, Fate, knew that. Knew the full implication of that untruth. And now, there was no turning back. You would follow the road you had chosen to its inevitable end. In a moment, it will be time for another entry in The Diary of Fate. simple but daring. And as the day of departure approached, your confidence mounted. No one knew your employer's habits as intimately and completely as you. You knew them so well that, given the opportunity, you could actually become Gregory Fielding. And it was your intention to give yourself that opportunity. On Wednesday evening... You boarded the ship to arrange the final details for Mr. Fielding. And then you phoned him from the dock. Mr. Fielding, uh, this is Thomas. Is everything in order in my cabin? Yes, I just checked it myself. It's a very nice cabin, sir. Number A-12. Good. I'll arrive at 9.25. You stay there and meet me at the gangplank. Very well, sir. Would you like me to order a late supper for you? No, don't bother. But I want all my meals served in the stateroom. You've taken care of that? I've taken care of everything, Mr. Fielding. Everything. Mr. Fielding. Mr. Fielding. Oh, there you are, Thomas. I've been looking all over for you. Here, take this bag. These stupid, crowd, stuffy officials. Where's my stateroom? Uh, this way, sir. Right down this passageway to the left. Uh, lead the way, Thomas. I want to get out of this idiotic mob. Underway, sir. Uh, thank heaven for that. 
Now, maybe that mob out there will quiet down. If I may make a suggestion, Mr. Fielding, yes. the deck will be cool soon. You might enjoy the open air if your room stays hot. Uh, good idea. But I'll wait until that giddy crowd has gone to bed. I can't stand them. I know. I have had a chair placed for you on the boat deck. It will be secluded and private there. Oh, oh well, fine. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Not at all, sir. Now, if you'll excuse me. Yes, Marvin. Now everything was ready. All that remained was the deed itself. But you expected no difficulty there. And so you walked the deck and mingled with the passengers, waiting until they had retired. For only then could you strike. But at that moment, Thomas, I, fate, again moved in your life. In cabin A-12... Mr. Fielding was unpacking a briefcase, and the picture fell to the floor. He picked it up, looked at it, and on an idle whim reached for the telephone. Hello? This is Mr. Fielding in A-12. I want to send a radiogram to Miss Nina Carroll, 420 Kalani Drive, Honolulu. Message? Nina, take plane for Sydney. Meet me in my office at 5 p.m., on the 14th. Sign it, Gregory. Yes, Marvin. Unknown to you, the ship's radio was flashing a message to Nina. Now you were pleased because you knew the other passengers would go below all the sooner. And you were right. The time had come. You pulled a heavy iron stanchion from its bracket and climbed to the boat deck. Then you stood in the shadows and watched Gregory Fielding as he shifted uncomfortably in the deck chair. Who's that? It's only I, sir. Uh, Thomas. Well, why are you lurking in those shadows like a shy schoolboy? You should be in bed at this hour. I was restless. The ocean always makes me feel that way. Yes, there's power in the ocean. You can feel it, Thomas, but you'll never understand it, I'm afraid. Why do you say that? You have no concept of power, that's why. You're weak and indecisive. I think you're wrong, Mr. Fielding. Huh? Oh, don't be silly. Here we are, two men of the same age and equal intelligence. Yet look at the difference. You can't make a decision and act on it, but I can. That's the difference, Thomas. There's no difference. What's that? Oh, you're talking like a fool. There's no difference. The people who don't know us will fail to see any difference. Thomas, are you drunk? What What are you doing? Put that iron bar down. Thomas, you're out of your mind. Don't do it. I'm not out of my mind. I'm going to get rid of you. Thomas. Oh, no. good. No, don't. Don't. Thomas. Thomas. Yes, Marvin, the last earthly sound of Gregory Fielding was swallowed up by wind and water. And you felt you were safe, free, and rich. For the rest of the voyage, you rehearsed your new role until it was perfect. At last, when the ship docked at Sydney, you were anticipating the business meeting of the Colpack brothers with the same malicious delight Mr. Fielding would have 
And he went at once to the branch offices of the firm. So, you're Mr. Birch, our Sydney branch. Well, Mr. Birch, I'll require some minor accommodations during my stay here. I want a private office and a private wire. Your best secretary at my disposal exclusively. Bring out the monthly report. I'll look them over first. That's right, Mr. Birch. The Colpack brothers already have been notified as to the terms of the payment. Have them here in my office at 8 this evening. I'll handle the whole thing myself. Yes, Marvin. In a matter of hours, the transaction would be completed. You were sure that nothing could stop you now. But then, another little thing happened. And two unrelated elements in your borrowed life were brought into close conjunction. Yes? What is it? Cooper? I don't know any Dr. Cooper. What does he want? He says he has orders from a Dr. Komodo in Honolulu. Oh, uh, of course. Uh, send him in, Miss O'Brien. Yes, Mr. Fielding. Good afternoon, Mr. Fielding. I'm Dr. Cooper. Well, how do you do, Doctor? Dr. Komodo wrote to me about you. I brought all the necessary items with me for your treatment. Oh, well, Doctor, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm very busy just now. I wonder... Would you mind terribly coming to my hotel later in this evening? Well, uh, no, certainly not, sir. But Dr. Komodo was so emphatic regarding the time mm -hmm. that I... Yes, I, I know, but as it happens, I'm too busy to take it at the moment. I'll see you, say, at 9.30. Yes? I'm sorry, sir. There's a lady here to see you. Miss Carroll. Nina Carroll. Nina? Here? Oh, uh, Doctor... Uh, uh, just a moment. Miss O'Brien, where is the lady now? Waiting in the foyer, sir. I see. Tell Miss Carroll I'm with my doctor. I'm taking a treatment. I won't be able to see her. She is to go back to her hotel and wait until I call. And Miss O'Brien, until the Colpack brothers arrive, I am not to be disturbed under any circumstances. Is that clear? Yes, Mr. Fielding. I've changed my mind, doctor. I'll take that treatment. Fine, sir. Fine, sir. Now, remove your shirt, please. You know, these tablets here are exactly the same as you've been getting in Honolulu. Dr. Komoto sent me complete detailed instructions. Everything will be just as he would have given. <laughs> fine, fine. Been taking these treatments for over 12 years, you know. Couldn't get along without them. Komoto and I were students together years ago. I have great faith in him. Ah, he's an excellent physician. Yes. I... Oh, sorry, sir. Sorry. Just a moment now, sir. There you are. Injection always stings a little, doesn't it? Yes, but it does with the work. Only thing that gives me any relief. Yes, I know. I'll leave my card with you, Mr. Field, in case you want to reach me before next time. Hey, oh, uh, fine. Uh, thank you, Doctor. And good day. Good day. Yes, Marvin. Little things often become unbelievably important. Had the doctor not been in your office when Nina arrived, your whole elaborate plan might have collapsed. But now you could meet her later and explain it all where her shock surprise would not matter. All that was left now 
was the business meeting with the Coal Pack Brothers. You sat at the table and, one by one, went through the steps of the transaction. The Coal Packs were afraid of you. You gave them no reason to doubt your identity. At last, you lifted the fortune in your hand. One hundred thousand dollars. Very well, gentlemen. The amount is correct. Our business is concluded. Thank you, and good night. Yes, Marvin Thomas. It was done. You were rich and free. But although the laws of nations differ and the philosophies of peoples vary, there remains one inescapable constant in the universe. The irrevocable law of justice. And you who listen, lest you think fate a conspirator and evil, heed well this final entry. For a few moments, I will write for the last time in the record of Marvin Thomas. And when I have written... I will read from the Diary of Fate. Yes, Thomas. As you carefully placed the fortune in your pocket, you were sure you now had everything you had ever wanted. You attributed the spinning in your head and the weakness in your knees to the strain of the daring masquerade. But your face became drenched with cold perspiration, and the short walk from the elevator to your room left you breathless. You stumbled inside and locked the door. Everything was spinning dizzily now, and the floor seemed to roll beneath your feet. Now you stumbled to the telephone to call Dr. Cooper. This is Dr. Cooper. Doctor, Mr. Fielding, something's wrong. I'm sick. I can't breathe. I've got a cold sweat. Those pills, the tablets you gave me, what were they? Same thing you've been taking right along, sir. They're quite harmless, I assure you. But the injection, what about it? Oh, it shouldn't bother you, Mr. Fielding. I followed Dr. Komodo's instructions to the letter. It was given in strict accordance with the cumulative immunity you've developed over 12 years. Immunity? Doctor, what would happen if a man with no immunity received that injection? It's an autogenous vaccine harmless to you because you gradually built up resistance to it. Without the cumulative immunity, that dose I gave you would result in certain death within five hours. Within five hours? And now I close the book. Marvin Thomas is dead. Another entry has been duly noted on the pages of eternity. And justice has been served. In the case of Marvin Thomas, as in the cases of all mortals, I, fate, am but the instrument of a plan 
and the little things that happen, unnoticed, apparently trivial, are the tools with which I work. A spilled drink that a man on the path of murder. And the casual remark led him to his own death. Ponder well the moral, you who listen, and remember, there is a page for you in The Diary of Fate. Produced by Larry Finley, Diary of Fate is a Finley transcription, brought to you from Hollywood. That's the show for this week, but don't forget there are thousands more like it at RelicRadio.com. Horror, strange tales, science fiction, crime, all available for free. Like to donate to Relic Radio and help keep it all free, you can do that through the website as well. Visit donate.relicradio.com to find out more about that and see the special downloadable sets that are available. My thanks to those who have donated, and thanks for listening today. Talk to you again next week. Music